0: What is? What is? what is? what is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. I think what you just said made me look at those scenarios differently. God replaced all my junk with with a beautiful light. God's really been changing the way that I parent my children.
1: The most amazing thing is the sufficiency of His Word. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Master's University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford.
0: All right, welcome back to Transformed. Thanks for hanging in there with me for our last series. And today I'm getting to jump into some of the questions that you send in to me. So as you know, periodically, I will go back and forth between a series and then jump into questions that you have. So one of the most recent questions that was sent in was regarding PTSD. And I actually haven't done just a whole lot on transformed regarding PTSD. So I figured I'd take a couple of episodes now to do that. And this comes from a question that Rachel wrote in. She was asking uh Well, let me just read it. Where would you draw the line between legitimate mental medical diagnoses and unbiblical anxieties? Would PTSD fit in the unbiblical category, or is it something that's a legitimate mental diagnosis? So let me try and explain a little bit of what Rachel's getting at. In fact, she's writing because she said personally she received the PTSD diagnosis about four years ago, and she's trying to interpret how should she think about that diagnosis. So broadly speaking, there are ways to think about mental health and mental illness diagnoses. But I would encourage you to go back to further or prior episodes, you know, the ones on the mind versus brain, or we talked about some of this back when we talked about anger. Let's just think biblically about mental illnesses in general. But when we talk about PTSD, this is very nuanced. And I want to highlight a couple of the nuances to give you clarity in these next two episodes and then give you on-ramps to further resources. I don't pretend to think that in these two episodes I'll answer all the questions, but I hope to at least get a conversation started. The first big picture thing that you have to identify is the nature of trauma. You see, PTSD has actually gone through this evolution where trauma originally pertained more to combat-related trauma. And even the term shell shock that was used in the 70s, it was used of individuals who had been traumatized. But how? Well, Technically, it was traumatized in combat and some of the things that you see and the concussions that you experience. You see, going back before the 70s to the early 1900s, as PTSD was growing in its labeling, growing in its relevance and pertinence, growing in its, some of its diagnosing, there was a, a German term called war neurosis. And that term seemed to suggest that those who had experienced difficult things in war. Almost felt like they were stunned. That's where the shell shock transliteration comes from. That they're stunned. They've seen things, and it just it seemingly fundamentally changed them. Before that, there was even German researchers that were studying the way that miners were impacted by significant rocks that would fall on them or fall on parts of them, and they would then see people that were going through significant pain. Some of them were personally injured in those incidents. So, neurosis or is this a traumatic moment? Does it mean that you have to be physically harmed in order for you to be traumatized? The nature of trauma is going to be something like this, all right? And and I'm going to cite for you one of the leading organizations to diagnose what is trauma. All right, so this is a direct personal experience of an event that involves actual or threatened death or serious death or other threat to one's physical integrity or witnessing an event that involves death, injury, or a threat to physical integrity of another person or learning about an unexpected violent death, serious harm, death of, excuse me, threat of death or injury experienced by a family member or other close associate. All right. When you look at the APA's definition of trauma and you begin to just research what is the nature of trauma, what you're going to see is that this is not all physiological, can be a car accident. Some of it can be combat related, but some of it is what you have witnessed. So this is the witnessing of an event. You were not physically harmed, yet you witnessed someone being physically harmed or you were threatened, but yet no one touched you in that way. So when you begin to think about trauma, it does include the physical explosion, the physical car accident, and then it also includes the non-physical. So the things that greatly affect you, like the threats or being in a place that's not safe, or think of those that endured physical violence as children from older siblings or parents, just awful situations. All of that is generally going to be the stressor. And when you talk about the stressor for PTSD, there's, there's two ways to think about it. One is that the stressor as an event is that the stressor is more of a period of time, a series of events. You see, it's often a Western way of thinking about trauma to think I had the one incident that traumatized me. Because there are a good majority of people in this world that live in traumatic moments day to day, year by year, and it it begins to take its toll on you. Now, if the event or a series of event, if it's an era or an event, however you want to describe that, the trauma is still the trauma. And whatever you want to say, if it's the threat, if it's an actual explosion, generally speaking, we can just say it's a deeply disturbing or distressing experience. And that's totally fair. Honestly, I think you have to acknowledge that a deeply disturbing or distressing experience is possible, and that there are those that have legitimately experienced that. Let me give you examples of some. There are those that have endured abuse. There are those that have endured violence in their home. Their father was an angry drunk, for instance, and that was a checkered part of their upbringing. There are those that come from the foster-adopt background where they were passed between foster homes or, God forbid, in some type of orphanage or, or state facility. When you think of those that have endured significant levels of trauma, first of all, just pause and say, yeah, that's, that is a real thing. That is a thing. Now, how do you define what is traumatic? That's the more slippery question. And And that is something that both in my book, Helping Your Family Through PTSD and in the different places I've taught on this, I don't really try to get into defining trauma because honestly, I'm not sure if you can define trauma. Meaning when I answer the question, what is not traumatic? How do I answer that? So if someone says, hey, I was bullied in high school and I say, yeah, so was everyone else. Suck it up, buttercup. like that. Okay, but maybe that actually did have a great impact on you. And yeah, maybe I was bullied in high school, and I was, but uh, the reality is it didn't affect me the same way it affected you, but it affected you in a way. So when I say what's not traumatic, I just have to be very careful because there's not a dogmatic line for what is traumatic. Have you thought about that? So loss of an individual, very difficult relationship, car accident, combat, like any of those are starting to be the stressors that could induce the symptoms. And let me share with you just the, the overarching categories of symptoms. And these are going to endure for uh, usually three plus months, but the traumatic event has, has brought with it these types of symptoms. And there are three primary clusters, involuntary re-experiencing of the trauma, think of that as nightmares or intrusive thoughts, avoidance of reminders and numbing of responsivity, person feels like they are a shell of themselves, they are numb to others, and increased arousal, meaning difficulty, concentrating, hypervigilance, an exaggerated startle response, you know, think of a person that jumps easy, but often those are going to be symptoms that are said to correspond to you having been traumatized. Particularly Rachel's question is getting at more of the intrusive thoughts, which is a re-experiencing symptom regarding trauma. So the intrusive thought is you're just sitting there and all of a sudden out of nowhere comes this fear, your gut starts to sink, maybe your heart starts to race as you think about that potential thing. Well, those are the symptoms and if you demonstrate those symptoms, you like Rachel will probably receive the diagnosis of PTSD. PTSD. But note, some of those are not material or they don't necessarily start materially. Some of those may be a response to a learned way of behavior. So an avoidance symptom, for instance, if, if you struggled with getting back into the car after a car accident, well, we wouldn't want to say that's a physical issue. We would say, well, maybe there's actually a learned behavior and that learned behavior of avoiding driving is something that wasn't material, but it was an immaterial response that you learned. But either way, these are the symptoms, and these symptoms are generally going to be used to help identify, do you have PTSD or do you qualify for PTSD? Now, we are, we are getting to a point where there is a saturation level of diagnosis for PTSD. PTSD is diagnosed, and sometimes over things that do seem seemingly not important or seemingly not that traumatic. But again, I go back to, I'm not here to critique what a person calls traumatic. Rather, I would rather help them interpret that traumatic moment and then respond biblically to it. So even if I felt it wasn't a big deal for my own personal life, and maybe you sense that too, it's like, well, yeah, so what? You were bullied in high school. So were all of us. But if, if you're saying something like that, then I think you're actually missing the point that it really did affect them. It was distressing and disturbing to them. I'm thankful to, to many degrees that the Lord does not minimize our suffering because I think there are many times where my suffering is very small in the grand scheme of eternity. And yet Psalm 116 says, he inclines his ear to me or first Peter five, that I can roll my cares over to him because he cares for us. So instead of minimizing and saying, well, you don't really have PTSD, I think you just say something like, well, let's talk about that event or that stressor, and then let's begin to unpack what that means biblically, which is where we're going to go next. So let's take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to try to just provide some biblical labels to some of the things happening in PTSD. We'll be right back.
1: All right, and we'll be back in just a moment to continue with Dr. Gifford's discussion on PTSD. Speaking of which, I want to recommend a book in the Transform Store right now that can help you dig deeper into the subject of PTSD, and it's a book by Dr. Gifford himself, Helping Your Family Through PTSD. One of the things he says in the book, beliefs and linked emotions are the worldview through which a person interprets life and trauma. Beliefs about the world and self are none other than a religious conviction, whether one sees God as the prime Mary actor or not. And it goes deeper and deeper into the subject of PTSD. And this is a subject that I know many, many people are struggling with. And if you want to dive deeper into this subject, I would recommend Helping Your Family Through PTSD by Dr. Greg Gibbert. And you can pick it up right now at the Transform Store at transformed.org. And while you're there, would you consider maybe possibly joining us in our mission to help the struggling? We want to reach people with the gospel. We want to teach people how to share the gospel, and we want to help strengthen the local church. And we do that with the many, many resources that we're able to produce here at Gospel Partners Media from Transformed, Road Trip to Truth, Wretched Radio, and Wretched TV, and so many others. You can find out more about how you can become a Gospel Partner right now by visiting Transformed. Dot org, And also, one other thing that I want to point out to you that if you have considered and thought about becoming a biblical counselor yourself, I want to encourage you to do that. There are areas of the country that I would call dry when it comes to biblical counseling, because the closest biblical counselor is miles and miles and miles away. And if you live in maybe one of these areas and you think, hey. My church needs a ministry. Well, first of all, if your first thought is my church needs a biblical counseling ministry, then you are the one to lead it. And I want to encourage you to go through the training. You can get started on your path to becoming a biblical counselor while you're there at transform.org because we have several resources to get you on that path. I would recommend Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp. I would recommend David Pallison, Seeing Through New Eyes. I would recommend, well, really, I just recommend all of them. But those are a couple to get you started started and you can pick them up right now at transformed.org. All right, now let's get back to Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues to explore and expand on PTSD. This is Transformed. Welcome
0: back to Transform. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back. We have been talking about PTSD. And thank you, Jimmy, for your kind words and also resourcing us over the break. For those of you that don't know or haven't checked it out, you know, just I would I would be able to say, "Hey, just go to transformed and the resources that are there, transformed.org. You can trust." So, what I said in the last segment was this. When we're talking about PTSD, what are we talking about generally? Well, there's a stressor, and that trigger event or series of events is going to produce symptoms, and those symptoms are then used to help diagnose you with PTSD. But I want to provide just the level of biblical categories in this next segment and not to go thoroughly through them. I want to read a verse to you that is striking to me. This is the celebration of Psalm, excuse me, not Psalm of Samuel 18 verse 7. So first Samuel 18 verse 7. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. The celebration of this man- of war David, This song being sung to recognize David's accomplishments, the women of Israel are victoriously excited about David's war conquests. We recognize that Joseph is thrown into a pit and sold into slavery, Genesis 37. David is in combat before he's 20 years old. Remember Goliath, 1 Samuel 17. Paul is shipwrecked, Acts 27 and nearly beaten to death 2 Corinthians 11:5 the disciples not to minimize their suffering either but this the disciples were expert fishermen who were actually terrified in Mark 4:35 to 41 because of the tempest or the storm that had come up on the sea of Galilee life threatening life altering moment now not to mention some of the other murders the sins against nations or the sins against families or individuals. In particular, you can see that there are times of great persecution, Paul himself being the inflictor of persecution, or Jesus himself being the sinless receptor, the the Savior who receives the sin consequences that we deserved. All of that to say the Bible is jam-packed with traumatic moments, just to be clear. And some of the trauma that the Bible speaks of is it is the real deal stuff. You don't get much more traumatizing than an execution by form of the cross by a first century Roman guard. So that soldier was an expert in pain and keeping you alive for the most excruciating consequences possible. So why am I bringing up some of this grotesqueness? Because the Bible talks about trauma, number one. The Bible has lots of instances of trauma not only childhood trauma, but also trauma as an adult, not only things that you have done, you entered into a combat scenario and a David type of scenario, but things that were done to you. The Bible talks about trauma. Does the Bible say the term SD? No, but the Bible does help equip you for how to respond to those traumatic moments. So if the Bible does have traumatic moments in them, we can go to those individual instances and begin to say, "All right, and then how should I respond? How am I put how am I commanded to respond in light of seeing Jesus' sufferings? How did Paul respond to his sufferings? How do I respond to natural disasters that were traumatizing? How do you respond to combat that was traumatizing? How do you respond to relationships that were traumatizing? I think if you begin to say all of those, the Bible has the answers and the best answers. So let me create a couple of categories and some of these are a little bit nuanced so they're just going to be more like an offshoot of the other first of all i would start with just anxiety and control so big picture there's a lot of anxiety that comes from ptsd and that is the anxiety of what's going to happen what's next what if i don't do this and you'll you'll recognize that anxiety is both about past issues and present realities usually intrusive thoughts produce anxiety and or fear, and those become soul shrinking, they begin to suck the joy and the peace out of your life. When you think about that traumatic moment and then you become anxious about that memory, that flashback can lead you to remembering that traumatic moment in your life. And then what you do in that nanosecond of a moment, that is going to begin to shape and to change you going forward. So if you begin to give in to anxiety because of that past action or that past trauma, then that is something that you, by the grace of God, have to address. So create this category. Instead of saying, I know best, I must figure this out, I must get this under control, we have to say, well, Lord, help me to trust you. Even though this has happened in my life, help me to respond in a way that demonstrates trust in you. We have to saturate our life and our thinking with the truth of Scripture and an awareness of God and what He's doing, so create that first category, anxiety. Create another category, which is fear. And you know what's interesting is is fear often corresponds to the hyper arousal type of stuff. So think of psychomotor agitation, like you're jittery. Think of a hyper vigilance that you're super alert. Think that you hear that noise and then all of a sudden you have a compulsion to to run. When we talk about fear, what we're saying is that yes, it. When you have a fear that is an illegitimate fear, it's not founded, you hear that thing, you have that thought, you smell that thing, and it reminds you, and you respond in fear, then what happens is it continues to exacerbate the problem. So remember, I think uh, traumatic moments with car accidents are are a better example. So what an awful moment to be in an accident in an automobile. What an awful moment traumatizing for sure, especially if there's injury or a loss of life, absolutely traumatizing. But now if you let your fear of the potential to be harmed prevent you from driving or uh, prevent you from riding in a vehicle, that is actually fear. And there are multiple scriptures that are going to tell you to fear not, to don't be afraid, to put your ultimate respect and fear in the Lord. So instead of fearing, we need to trust the Lord and love the Lord. So there are times when what's happening in PTSD comes out as hypervigilance, comes out as avoidance, but that's actually motivated by fear. You have to grow in your trust the Lord in that moment. So create one category, anxiety, create another category, which would be fear. So don't fear man ultimately. Don't fear circumstances Ultimately ultimately, place your fear in the Lord. So anxiety, control, the next two, I'm gonna I'm gonna make regret and shame somewhat similar. although in past episodes, I've done my best to explain how you deal with guilt, how you deal with regret, and how you think through maybe the nuances of each of those. But part of what haunts us in PTSD is regret and shame over actions that we have done. And then also unpacking regret and shame by things that were done to us. I would encourage you to go back to those former episodes on guilt and shame and regret and understanding the continuum and moving to repentance, because those are, those are important. But sometimes what is really hanging us up is that we are the one who was responsible for the traumatic moment. I was driving, per se. It was my fault, per se, where I made a foolish decision. Or my lack of a wise decision contributed to the pain and the suffering of someone else. That moment in time has to be reinterpreted. Is this shame or regret, or is this legitimate and true biblical guilt? Because if I don't reinterpret that circumstance and then move forward, then I'm letting guilt and regret and shame continue to perpetuate into my life. I'm not being faithful in light of the things that. I should be faithful to my current responsibilities. So, uh, is it particularly sinful to hear a loud noise and to jump? No, it's not. Uh, you could even get into reflexes. The Lord has created you to have reflexes, and and that is part of your own physical preservation. But when you jump, and that now turns into anxiety and fear, yes, you are moving from a reflex to now the biblical category of fear. Of anxiety, of having to trust the Lord. All right. Is it unbiblical to remember that traumatic moment? No, I don't think it is inherently unbiblical. In fact, I don't think many of us are going to forget significant traumatic moments. Is that a sin to recall something? No. But if that recollection brings with it present unfaithfulness, then yes, I do think that you are going to now move toward instances of, all right, I have an intrusive thought that I am not taking captive to the truth of scripture. So remember, blasphemous and intrusive thoughts, I still must subordinate to the truth of the scripture. So with PTSD, when that happens, how do you respond? That is the issue. And if you respond in faith and trust in Jesus Christ, amen, the Lord is using that to refine you. If you let that intrusive thought begin to send you down the downward spiral of guilt and shame and regret and the what ifs and so forth, then an intrusive thought is actually leading you to be unfaithful. So what is going to make the difference? You're taking that thought captive. You're reinterpreting that intrusive thought through the lens of the scripture. So create these biblical categories to start with. So biblically, what goes into PTSD? It is anxiety. It is fear. It is a desire for control and sometimes controlling things you can't. Guilt, shame, regret. The Bible talks about those thoroughly. So we want to hear what the Bible says. So We got to be done for today. When we come back next episode, I want to begin to just get into some of the more practical questions for I've been diagnosed or what do I do with a loved one who's been diagnosed with PTSD? So Let me pray for us and we'll be done. Lord, we know that life is complex and there are many of us, like Rachel, who have been given the label PTSD. Help us to think biblically about that label so that we can honor you and, and be free to genuinely serve you. But Lord, may you give us wisdom to also serve others that have been given the label of PTSD may we not be harsh individuals. May we not lack compassion, but may we have biblical clarity and may that that clarity turn out to be really effective ministry to other people. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your King.